Would you join me in prayer this morning? Father, we thank you for the love that you pour out upon our lives. May we, as your people, share the love which we have received with the world around us. This we pray in the name of Christ. Amen. I don't know about you, but I feel like I spend most of my life on the way, on the way here and on the way there and on the way to someplace else. Do you ever feel this way? Just Thursday, I was on my way to Macon so that I could make a presentation on Friday, which was on the way to Athens so that I could take my daughter Addison to see the gym dogs take on the LSU Tigers in a gymnastics competition. And then as soon as that was over, we were on our way back to Statesboro. We spend most of our lives on the way, don't we? Lots of miles logged on the way. One of the things that I most appreciate about John Wesley is, is that he understood his theology, he understood his life, as being on the way, headed toward a destination. It's a great way to understand salvation. For you see, for Wesley, salvation is a process. And it's a process that begins long before we know or understand anything of God's great love for us. And it's a process that continues on even after we have given our lives to Christ. For if you have given your life to Christ, to Wesley, you aren't saved. You are being saved. You are on your way toward a destination called perfection in love. A destination that you and I, we haven't yet arrived at. You are growing in holiness of hearts and life and are being perfected in love. Perfection is not something we've yet Attained as if salvation were some single moment for us to enjoy. In fact, holiness and perfection and love for Wesley, they aren't at all about a moment, but about a lifetime. A lifetime of having our lives formed and reformed by the power of God's love. For Wesley, holiness of heart and life is rooted in the ongoing experience of God's love and the sharing of that same love With the world. In fact, much of Wesley's understanding of God's great love for us comes from the passage that you heard this morning. 1 John chapter 4. 1 John chapter 4. God is love, and we are called to embody the love of God. God is love. Love is both an abstraction and a quality of God's own self. God is love. It's the very essence of who God is. God has lots of qualities to be sure. God is holy and God is righteous and God is just, but at the very center of God's being is love beyond measure, love that creates this world, love that created you and I and everything that we see and everything that we don't see. In fact, you and I Since we are formed in the image of God, we are ourselves expressions of God's love. In the love we know, the love we have witnessed in our own lives is but a small expression of the great 
love of God. It's just like a single drop of seawater is just a small expression of the ocean. The love we experience on a day-to-day basis from one another and from one another is but a small expression of the love of God. But, the lo- but love is not only who God is, but it's what God does as well. We know this because God has revealed His character and the depth of His love to us by sending His Son, Jesus Christ. If you ever take time to study 1 John, and I hope that you will, you will find that this is the prevailing theme of the book, of the letter. We never get beyond this one claim, God's love for us in Christ and how that love is lived out in love for one another. We're always, in 1 John, drawn back to that central and centering claim. We know God's love first and foremost through His Son. John 3.16 and 17 tells us very clearly, That God so loved the world that He gave His only Son so that everyone who believes in Him may not perish but have eternal life. Indeed, God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through Him. We know God's love because He has acted on our behalf. God has sent His own Son who lived among us and died for us, and rose that we might have life. We know God's love because of Christ. And we also know God's love because we've witnessed the love of God in one another. You see, the defining mark of a life lived for Christ is love. As we grow in holiness of heart and life, love should not only be what we experience on the inside, but who we are on the outside as well. As God's people living in this world, we are called to live into God's love and to live out God's love in the world. That's why we've been talking about holiness of heart and life. Holiness of heart and life because faithfulness, continuing on our way toward God, requires more than just an inward transformation. That transformation which we have experienced must be expressed outwardly. This is what Jesus is talking about when he calls us to not only love God with all our heart, but to love our neighbors as ourselves. Loving God is holiness of heart. Loving your neighbor with the same love that God has shown you is holiness of life. And that sort of a life honors God and draws others toward God as well. And I think that's the reason why the writer of 1 John reminds us that perfect love casts out all fear. Just a few weeks ago, uh, we were blessed with a puppy. Um, We we had a puppy um, whose name is MJ. She's a little beagle puppy. Um, Her name's MJ because um, Addie named her. And the reason she named her MJ was because she was found inside of the nativity at New Hope between Mary and Jesus. And so her name is MJ. And MJ um, is a sweet, sweet dog, but she is scared to death. I mean, when we first got her home, she wouldn't come near us. 
In fact, we, we put her in our laundry room with a crate open so she could go in if she wanted to get away from us, and she just sat in her, in her crate and cowered. So after about four hours of, of being around her and realizing that she was so terrified, Addie and I just went inside the laundry room and sat down. We just sat down there in the room with the puppy. And MJ looked at us, and you know how puppies can look when they're scared. And she looked at us, and she just, she cowered for a minute. And then after about ten minutes, she started to relax. And after about fifteen minutes of us sitting in the laundry room, she took a step out of the crate. And five minutes later, she was sitting in my daughter's lap, playing with her. I believe it was my daughter's love that helped cast the fear out of that puppy. See, that's what love does. It casts out fear. It, it draws others in, even puppies in. <laughs> love has the power to draw others not only to us, but to God as well. That's why the writer of 1 John reminds us that love cannot coexist with fear. Love perfected in us drives out our fear and causes us to act that others might be freed from their fear as well, liberated from their sin, delivered from bondage and brokenness and evil in every form that it presents itself, whether it's racism or sexism or discrimination, oppression, slavery or, slavery or systemic violence. Love casts out fear and it draws people together. Love frees us that we might free others. It's this notion that caused John Wesley to call for the abolition of slavery in England and caused him to stand against the use of grain for alcohol production. It's the notion that love can cast out all fear that caused Mother Teresa to reach out to those who'd been declared untouchable by the rest of the world. It's the power of love to drive out all fear and bring people together that inspired the words of Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. who had a dream of a world where love destroyed every barrier that would separate and segregate. As Dr. King once said, darkness cannot drive out darkness, only light can do that. Hate cannot drive out hate, only love can do that. God's love poured out for us through Jesus Christ has the power and the potential to radically reorient our lives. And our lives, transformed by the power of love, have the potential to transform our world, to cast out fear, to bring healing to the broken, and to draw people together. So I want to ask you this morning, where are you headed? What are you on your way toward? In your daily actions and attitudes, do they reflect the love of God and a growing sense of God's love for all people? Does your life help draw people together? Or does it draw lines that separate and divide. Have you allowed God's love to not only reshape your heart, but your life as well?
Dr. Martin Luther King closed his sermon, The Drum Major Instinct, with a poem about the transforming power of God's love. And I want to share that with you this morning. It goes like this. If I can help somebody as I pass along, if I can cheer somebody with a word or song, if I can show somebody he's traveling wrong, then my living will not have been in vain. If I can do my duty as a Christian ought, if I can bring salvation to a world once wrought, if I can spread the message as the Master taught, then my living will not be in vain. Yes, Jesus, I want to be on your right or your left side. Not for any selfish reason. I want to be on your right or your left side, not in terms of some political kingdom, or ambition, but I just want to be there in love and in justice and in truth and in commitment to others so that we can make of this old old world a new world. Beloved, let us love one another because love is from God. Everyone who loves God is born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God. For our God, our God is love. Amen.